welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 228th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 729th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred last Saturday in Italy when our friend and co-host Ryan Phillips asked his lovely girlfriend, Madeline York, to marry him. For a guy who has never hosted a show, rants on and on, and is constantly interrupting all of us, he was a true gentleman as he planned the evening. He somehow found the perfect time and place to get engaged, and he spoke with passion and confidence as he got down on his knee. Well, Madeline said yes without any interruption, and we here at the Assembly Call could not be more happy for the both of them. Congrats. We needed that Saturday. Very happy for both of you, and we wish you nothing but the best. Okay, let me introduce uh, my esteemed co-host for tonight. Jared will be along uh, a little bit later, but here uh, with me for the duration of tonight's show, you know him as one of the godfathers of IU Sports Podcasting, the head of sports media department at Indiana, and as an outspoken um, expert tailgater. Uh, It is, uh, well, let's play some music first. There we go. He is Galen Clavio. Uh, Galen, what's on your mind about Indiana athletics, Indiana basketball, anything Indiana? What are you thinking on this Thursday night? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I was thinking congrats to uh, to Ryan and, and Madeline. That was, that was tremendous news, and uh, we're very happy for them. I'm also thinking, you know, in Indiana, I don't know how the weather was up in your neck of the woods, Coach, but uh, it got cold and rainy, like well beyond my feelings of – comfort for mid-September yesterday and then today wasn't a whole lot better this is definitely hoodie weather or as I call it uh home field weather uh, as we have uh, we've busted out two different hoodies in the last 48 hours and it's uh it definitely feels like late football early basketball season already even though we're still about five weeks away from that you're absolutely right. I got that feeling of practice uh, coming home from basketball practice in the chill of the weather as as you're getting in and out. Uh, and it was September, and it was just a uh, Saturday was brutally hot, uh, and and everyone was fighting for that uh, elusive water in Memorial Stadium. And then it turned around with uh, three or four days of rain and, and extreme uh, cold. But uh, we're here nonetheless, and we'll we'll talk uh, a little Rob Finnessy later on. Uh, segment one, we'll talk about some Hoosier headlines. And segment two, there was a great interview that uh, Jared put out. I don't know how many of you had the chance to listen to it yet, where he interviews uh, Rob Finnessy, and we'll do an off-season player preview or a conversation about uh, what he shared on that podcast. And then, of course, uh, in the third segment, we're going to answer all of your questions. Uh, that's coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, But before we get into that, a few words about this week's sponsor. Ed Fang writes one of the most reliable manuals each year on how to win your March Madness bracket pool. He also is the founder and lead analyst for The Power Rank, which he describes as, quote, sports betting with a Ph.D. edge, end quote. 
He specializes in football, both college and the NFL, and delivers consistent value to help you with betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, or anything else where having predictive metrics you trust can give you an edge. The best part, Ed's newsletter is free. All you have to do is sign up uh, at thepowerrank.com backslash AC. That's thepowerrank.com backslash AC. We've recommended Ed's site even when he wasn't a paying sponsor, so we appreciate him supporting our work uh, with this sponsorship. Ed is a good, honest guy who does good, reliable work, which isn't something always easy to find in his industry. So sports betting is your thing. Make sure you subscribe to his free newsletter, and that is thepowerrank.com backslash AC. All right, uh, for some Hoosier headlines, and Galen, you can pick out any of these that uh, you want to have a conversation about here in our first segment. Hoosier hysteria is coming up uh, in in a few days, a week from Saturday, October 2nd. I'm going to plan to be in attendance in in some fashion. Uh, Rob Finnessy did mention he's going to be in a skills competition, so it looks like there's going to be a few changes uh, in the format of Hoosier hysteria. ESPN came out with an article that talked to coaches – uh, about what teams in their league could surprise. And in the Big Ten, uh, Indiana received multiple votes. And there's optimism in Bloomington and with all of us uh, Indiana fans surrounding uh, new head coach Mike Woodson. Uh, and coming back, um, you know, some players pulled their names out of the transfer portal, got some players in, Trace Jackson back. And so I think the the Big Ten is, is seeing Indiana in a little bit different light. And um, a quote from one coach said, uh, they picked up two key transfers in Miller Cop and Xavier uh, Johnson from Pittsburgh, uh, while also getting Trace Jackson Davis uh, to return. One Big Ten coach said of the Hoosiers, they have the, an experienced head coach in Mike Woodson. Indiana could su- surprise some people. And our beloved friend from CBS Sports, um, Matt Norlander, uh, in his preseason preview, has Indiana making the NCAA tournament, and he had him as a long shot uh, possibility in another article. Uh, to win the national championship. Galen, anything there stand out about Indiana basketball? Well, you know, it's interesting watching all of these things come in now after uh, the program was allegedly, you know, left in a dumpster uh, and and set on fire back in March with the hiring of Mike Woodson. So I'm always happy to see people slowly coming around as they actually look at the rosters. And look, I mean, to be fair, to media members, uh, they had to see what the roster was going to look like that Mike Woodson put together. They had to look at whether Trace Jackson Davis and others were coming back. And I think the season, the offseason has gone about as well as it could have for Mike Woodson and this IU basketball team. There's a lot of good vibes. There's a lot of interest and intrigue. And I don't know that it's necessarily grown fully into expectation. And as we're seeing with IU football right now, sometimes expectation can be your worst enemy when it comes to the way that fans feel about you. And I think right now, yes, uh, this should be an, uh, an NCAA tournament team. I mean, I think they've been close the last couple of years. And I don't even know if it's necessarily a talent thing. And we've talked about this before as much as it was a mentality thing, an emotion thing. And, and I think Rob Finnessy touches on some of that in the interview that Jared did. Uh, so all the pieces are there. Now, what's the ceiling on that team? I really don't know. It's it's very hard to tell. But I am excited about the fact that IU finds themselves in a position where people are looking at them and saying, eh, that, that might be a sleeper. Like That's a team that is going to make the field, probably a single-digit seed. I think one of the, the bracketology projections had him as a five seed or something like that. It was Andy Katz, actually, uh, that had that. And I think that's a good spot for IU to be in. They're dangerous – 
a little bit in the eyes of people, but not so much that everybody's gunning for them like you'd have with a Purdue or, or, or somebody like that coming into the season. So good spot all the way around. I am going to miss Hoosier hysteria for the first time in a long time for a good reason. We're actually honoring the life of our dear departed friend, Jason Kennedy, who passed away last year during the pandemic. We're actually, we had scheduled the, uh, the celebration of life that day, uh, not knowing when timing was going to be anything. Normally, Hoosier Hysteria is a night thing. So hopefully those of you who go will be able to carry on uh, in both his spirit and mine as you enjoy that that event. But uh, should be an interesting start to the season. You know, and, and I wanted to ask you uh, about expectations overall. Uh, there's a good question later on about the, the golden era of Indiana sports, and it's kind of been a tough start for that. We'll get to that question in, in segment three. Um expectations as you've covered sports uh the expectations from the fan base from what happened previous seasons or a new coaching hire uh you know obviously the coaches and the players are independent of that but do you find that fan bases that how does expectations change perception uh of programs and either you know, make things seem better than what they are or worse. Uh, and we're seeing some of that in the football. This football team's talented. They, they can still have a good season. But right now, the high expectations haven't been met. And, boy, a lot of people are down. How have you uh, seen that in, in, in covering sports? And what can we as fans learn from that as far as not putting our hopes way, way out too far for this basketball team or any team that we follow? Well, my you know, my favorite expectation story is always, you know, Bob Knight, won coach of the year in the big 10 in 1989 when his team won the big 10, you know, in a, in a year where there were two final four teams and a national champion in the big 10. And he won the, he won the the award largely because uh, IU was picked to finish sixth before the season started in the big 10. You flash forward four years, 1993, IU's number one, most of the season, they're 17 and one in the conference. And Bob Knight doesn't win coach of the year because the expectation was they were going to do that already. Uh, I think that expectations absolutely frame the way that we think about a season, the way that we perceive it in the moment. And I think almost to the detriment of being a fan in many cases, because look, you can, you can be excited about your team. You can look at the talent level and say, gosh, I think we're going to have a really good season or we've got really good players, but realistically, there's so many things that go on that you don't know about behind the scenes. And, you know, you sometimes things change even within the course of a season. You know, I mean, it's like the, the way that IU football, if if IU football starts off, you know, seven and one, and then loses their last five, people probably still like, Oh, it's all right. It's pretty good season overall, but you start one and five and then finish seven and five. And people don't necessarily have the exact same interpretation. You could flip those two scenarios. It'd be the exact same thing. So I, I think the problem now, Coach, is that uh, we have nothing to do in the off seasons except to talk right. about, and we're things. a part of it. Yeah, we, and we we are, and 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 the fans are, and social media, and it's not a bad thing intrinsically, but the fact that we're all connected and we all like to talk about certain topics, and in this case, it's sports and and our teams. We have a tendency to build up in our minds how good or how bad a team is, and it will go you know, far beyond what it should sometimes in either direction. And then you might be either pleasantly surprised or bitterly disappointed as a result of that, not just the stuff that was on paper at the beginning of things. 
So uh, staying staying on that um, path a, a little bit, uh, there I think there are two kinds of fans, and and I've kind of been both a little bit, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. But there are those fans that you see the great in your team every year, and e- even if if they're going to be a five hundred team in whatever sport, you think they're going to have a chance, uh, whether it's baseball or whatever it is. You think your your team could be in the top of the Big Ten no matter what. And then there there are those fans that. There can be nothing right with your own team, and they're so negative with their own team. Uh, so there's different kinds of expectations uh, within a fan base, and sometimes they, they conflict, and uh, I'm going through that right now. I think there's excitement in football. There's excitement in basketball, but I'm just putting the brakes on because after 25 years of following these programs, I've had some ups and downs and want to prevent that a little bit. And I don't know if I'm being fair in my analysis that the basketball team's a heck of a lot better than what it was in March. I'm just holding out because I used to be one of them everything's great, we're going to be great fans, and maybe that's coming up in the 70s and 80s when everything was. But I find there are two groups of fans that way, and it's interesting now that I'm in the, in this media role of dealing with both sides of that, uh, those expectations and those analysis. Yeah, no, it is – it's always a trap that you fall into, and I think it's tough when you're – if you're a fan that's also doing media. I mean, to some degree, you know, people who are professional journalists are – generally pretty emotionally detached from what they're covering. And mm-hmm. and I know a lot of fans like to think that they're not. But for the most part, they're professionals about it. They're pretty emotionally detached. They're very intellectually curious about it. Um, but it, look, even, even the most emotionally detached individual is going to build up a, a frame of reference or, or a, a context for how they think a team is going to be. And I think like with IU football this year, Everybody focused on the good. Everybody focused on the defense. Everybody focused on the skill position players. Everybody focused on the idea that you know, Michael Penix might be back ready physically without thinking really about uh, the things that might go wrong. The offensive line might struggle. Penix might not be back mentally. They, they might have trouble with certain aspects of the game. And so what I find interesting is there's generally an outsized reaction negatively when your expectations are not lived up to by the team. And that's where the problems come in. And I think, honestly, that's it's largely what did in both Tom Crean and Archie Miller. It wasn't that their teams were bad. Uh, I mean, they were decidedly average in a lot of those seasons. But um, people build up this idea of what they think a team or what they think a program should be. And that's not to say that those expectations aren't realistic or what you know aren't what they should be. But – uh, you know, the the way that we tend to talk ourselves into thinking a team should be better than they're currently playing can really create a lot of negative feelings that wouldn't be there otherwise. If you just went into the season saying, well, we'll see. I think they might be good, but I'm not going to get overly invested in it until I know. And that that to me is the, the toughest thing. And it's so it runs so antithetically to how we deal with most things now because there's such pressure whether it's you know this like societal pressure or just pressure of your job to have an opinion, have a reaction, have a feeling, and then stick to that and don't <laughs> modify it as time goes by. And I think that that generates as many of the problems as anything. So the last question on expectations here before we take a break and, and get into to Rob Finnessy, uh, I, I think this basketball program's not not that far away from winning. Uh, if they win the Michigan State game last year, which they were up 15 at one point in the second half, they're primed to win another game or two, don't go on a six-game losing streak, and that would have been 
quote, two tournament teams, and maybe we don't even have the change at, at that point. So the talent that stuck around that came back out of the transfer portal, plus the guys that have moved in, uh, I, I think – uh, for me, fair expectations are a top half of the Big Ten pushing to maybe get fourth or fifth, and anything better than that is going to be really exciting, and get into the tournament, uh, and I would like to have a single-digit seed. I think those are fair expectations. Do you agree with me, or uh, what? maybe what's your ceiling and floor for this team as we have seen it at this point? I guess I look at it like this. I think those are fair expectations, yes. I think that this team – it has it has veteran returning talent. It has maybe one of the top five college basketball players returning this year in Trace Jackson Davis, based upon what he's done over the course of the first two years of his college career. I just the big question I have is as much as we've heard positive things about Woodson as a coach and the atmosphere around the team, until we see it, it's hard to say for sure that things have changed. And Look, I was as big of a Tom Crean critic as anybody, and I honestly thought that the talent that was coming back on the team that Archie Miller inherited with a different coaching staff and a different perspective on things was going to have no trouble. And instead, they had a whole different type of trouble. It was, just, it was, it was still trouble, but it was a different, you know, it was in a different zip code, basically, of trouble. And so that's where I'm a little bit hesitant in that I, I believe that this team has the talent and I believe that Woodson and his staff have the acumen to have a really good season, maybe even better than what you set out as far as your minimum expectations. But until I see the execution, until I see the way the team plays, until I see them take a couple of shots and still be able to do what they need to do, uh, I'm, I, frankly, I'm kind of ambivalent. I'm, I'm holding out until I see it actually materialize on the floor. And I feel like that's fine because, frankly, I am less concerned about this year as I am about two years from now, you know, to me, like a, a big issue that we've had as IU fans has been expecting or wanting relatively quick turnarounds on things. And look, it's been a long time since IU was really good at basketball. So I get it. I, and I want IU to be as, as good as, you know, as good as, as they can be at basketball. But I also know that there are, are cultural aspects of things that have to happen behind the scenes in order for stuff to change. And that might not happen right away. So that's, that's my big caveat with all of this. First years of any kind of change, coaching change always have interesting things, whether it's a major rebuild, you know, you have a losing program and you're trying to come in and change it. Even an established program, when you're a first year, things can look good and can be going good, but there's always going to be some newness that, that might affect uh, the overall results. That's happened in, in several programs that I've been involved on the high school level. Uh, and, and it sometimes takes two or three years, depending on the established culture and everything, to get things going uh, the way you want, uh, e even with a, a staff that, again, I agree, is doing everything right and, and, and moving uh, in the right direction. And so that's why, for me, a success is getting back to that tournament on Selection Sunday and, and just seeing it when we're doing our bracketology that we feel comfortable enough to say they're going to be in. Uh, it's just been uh, a little long um, – waiting for that and that to me is is realistic i'm i'm with you too that we just got to see it and uh there's an old adage that we do we say in coaching don't love your team until the season's over uh because you got to make adjustments and i think fans could really benefit from that too i mean really support your team uh but but don't fall in love uh before you really know um if it's the person you want to go home with from the dance you know uh 
you might need to dance with the with a few. But uh, anyway, coming up on uh, <laughs> hey, that was an interesting metaphor there, Coach. There I was curious go. where that I, was headed. I think I pulled that one out of somewhere, but we'll we'll just move on. Coming up on Assembly Call, we're going to talk about Rob Fennessy. Uh, Jared had a chance to interview him, and we'll discuss the takeaways from that discussion and what we expect from Rob in his senior season. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing! in here every day thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto but arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto order yours at getarculus.com Hey, this is Max Bielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised six man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. How do you keep up with all of the information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? Uh, it's crazy during the offseason, and it's about to get even crazier as the season uh, gets started with practice just around the corner. Well, we've got your back. Uh, we send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be on there too. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 668. Let me say that again. That's IU to 66866. Okay, I'm the coach, uh, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here uh, with Dr. Clavio, and we're going to talk Rob Fennessy. Uh, Jared had the opportunity to talk uh, and interview, and that's out in the podcast feed. If you haven't listened to that yet, please give that a listen. It was it was well done, and 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 Rob really did a nice job of sharing his thoughts and, and just a few uh, takeaways. Uh, he overall defense is going to be more aggressive uh, with its pickup points, its full court pressure, uh, taking chances in passing lanes uh, a little bit more. Um, he was. Very good in discussions about Archie, uh, which is is probably a, a decent thing to do as a young man. Uh, but yet there was a time when he said he, he kind of still looked to the bench uh, a little bit, and we can discuss that uh, going on. But he's working on his confidence and mentality, and he's, he's looking forward to being more free on the offensive end. And, and again, uh, Jared reminisced about some of his big-time shots uh, that he hit. It was just an excellent uh, interview. Uh, Galen, anything uh, in, in that list or anything that you took away um, uh, from Rob Fennessy's uh, talk? And we'll pop Jared back in here as well. No, I mean, look, in general, I Rob Fennessy's a fascinating character in IU basketball history uh, in that I, I – with a guy who's obviously got so much 
potential and was talked about so much coming in. It's just been such a struggle for him from the whole, like the entire time that he's been an IU basketball player. And who knows what the source of that is, but obviously when you hear him talk, I think you, you, you're filled with a level of confidence and you're like, this guy can really put it together and get it done. And I think the, you know, the nice thing is he's going to have the opportunity to do that. Uh, you know, I, I think that it, it appears like there's going to be, if you can play well consistently, if you can do what you need to do, uh, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to earn yourself a place uh, in the rotation or in the starting lineup. I don't know what that's going to look like as far as his whole season's concerned, but I am, I'm excited. He's still here, you know, and, and, you know, as a typical new County guy, uh, you know, it's nice to to you know to see even if he went to the wrong high school in Tippecanoe County, it's nice to see him still on the IU uh, <laughs> on the IU team. Jared shaking his head. What what are you shaking your head at, Jared? Now I'm curious. <laughs> well, let, let's introduce what, the, what, the... he should he should have gone to Harrison High School. Come well, on. better than McCutcheon. I mean, come on, seriously. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Now joining us is the president of the Rob Finnessy fan club and also the uh, the host of the uh, Rob Finnessy show. Uh, Jared, your takeaways from an excellent uh, interview with Rob on, on the experience overall and then just your takeaways from uh, what, what you feel about Rob after the interview. First of all, can you guys hear me okay? My, I got done putting my daughter to bed and then I come out to an internet outage. So hopefully yeah. I'm just doing this off my phone. So hopefully it sounds okay. okay. Yeah, we can well. yeah, it sounds, sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good, good, good. No, it was, you know, it's, it's so interesting, you know, this new era that we're in with name image likeness where this kind of thing is, is possible. You know, I mean, the way that interview came about is I just reached out to him on open doors and, you know, put, you know, put a, a number out there and said, let's do an interview. And, and he was cool with it. And so we were able to do it. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's well worth the, you know, the money on our end to get that kind of access to talk to him, you know, and plus, I mean, you know, if we're going to use the, the funds the show has generated, it's nice that I can go back, you know, to, to the players as well. Um, and we've talked a lot on this show, Coach, about how much better it would be if there was more access to the players. Let us get to know them. Let us learn about them as three-dimensional people, not just basketball players. You know, let us not have to always speculate about what's going on in a guy's head. Let's ask him directly and find out from him. Um, you know, and so I think the more that we can do that, I think it'll just enrich the fan experience. And I think it'll make it better for the players. Um, because I think, you know, look, there's always going to be idiots on social media and all of that stuff. But I think people will be a little bit less quick to just tweet out some hot take with a personal attack when they've actually spent some time reading about the guy, listening to the guy, you know, can hear his voice in their head, that kind of stuff. And we just, we haven't gotten a ton of that um, with IU players. So I was excited about it from that standpoint. You know, I think to me, the thing that really stood out was talking with him about his experience playing for Archie Miller, because, you know, it was clear, you know, he wasn't going to say anything bad about Archie Miller. He liked Archie Miller. He had a good relationship with Archie Miller. And in fact, you know, we talked about, how much he appreciated how Archie Miller trusted him, um, you know, through thick and thin, you know, which is ironic in a certain extent, you know, to a certain extent for a guy who we've really spent three years talking about confidence issues, because you would think, you know, if you have that level of relationship with the coach and that belief from the coach, that confidence wouldn't be as much of an issue. And he even said himself, you know, he got into habits looking over at the coach a little bit too much. 
And so, you know, so I wonder uh, about that. I've, of course, I have every reason to, to believe that's the exact relationship that he had with Archie Miller. But why didn't that translate into him playing more instinctive and him playing with more confidence? You know, and, and talking to him about, you know, he I mean, man, when you go through the list of big shots he's had, there's a ton of them. I couldn't even get them, get all the clips of all the big shots he's had. And it was interesting. You start going through them and a lot of them were broken plays where he just had to go do something, you know, and the shot clock's going down and he's not thinking about it. He's just going making a basketball play like the guy that we saw torch Harris in high school for 50 points, you know, where he's scoring in every way possible. And so I think for whatever reason that wasn't able to be unlocked under Archie Miller, you know, and it doesn't seem like it was because the coach didn't have his back or any of those things. Cause it sounds like he did. So to what extent was it the contagion of poor shooting that, you know, that has happened the last few years? He mentioned that, how he would feel pressure, you know, because, you know, a couple guys miss a few shots and now you've missed three straight shots and there's more pressure on the next shot. So, you know, I'm really hopeful for three things, really, you know, and, and I know it's kind of a joke that I always get behind the senior point guards and all that stuff. And I'll always, I'll always talk myself into it. But I think, you know, the three reasons to feel good, and, and we kind of got into it in the interview, you know, one is I think just playing in a more open offense where you can play more by instinct. Guys were not able to do that. No matter what relationship they had with Archie Miller, that wasn't what was on the menu for Indiana's offense. And so I think getting back to being that guy could be really helpful for him because when he just plays and plays on instinct, he's, you know, he's got skills as an offensive player. I also think he's a guy who defense can drive his offense. And he seemed really excited about the defensive changes that they're making, which is, you know, more pressure on the ball, playing some passing lanes, picking up full court, three quarter court. He seems like he'll really thrive in that type of system. Maybe he'll be able to get some more steals and get in transition and do, um, you know, and do some of those things. And then I think the other thing is, you know, frankly, you know, Rob, I think can be a lead ball handler. But I think he's miscast as, you know, a vocal leader or emotional leader. He's a leader by example. Well, now you've got Miller Cop and Tamar Bates and Xavier Johnson on the roster, guys you didn't have, who have a little bit more of that personality, have a little bit more of that swagger, and hopefully can make some shots. And if you have some guys who can take that leadership load and make shots, now I think you allow Rob emotionally to slide into a role that he's probably a little more comfortable in. So, you know, I think talking to him kind of confirmed a lot of the, the things I had been thinking about for my expectations for his senior year. Um, and it's a lot. You know, I think the one thing that we've learned or that I've learned, you know, <laughs> making it this my thing to go to bat for seniors is that after you've seen a guy play for three years, you mostly know who he is. You know, Al Durham didn't change a lot. Devontae Green didn't change a lot. So I think expecting a quantum leap from Rob, that's probably not going to happen. But with a new coach and a new system on a roster that I think he fits better in, I think expecting to see the best of him as a senior is reasonable. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think all IU fans, that's what you want to see from a guy that has clearly put in the work, does everything the right way, has dealt with injuries. You know, let's see him go out playing his best basketball, because I think we can all agree that we haven't seen that. And that's what's been so frustrating about the Rob Finnessy experience is we know there's more there, you know, so I, I just want to see it this year. Galen, um, th this was a lot of discussion on, on our podcast and, and behind the scenes a lot too is about do, do, does that confidence come within or, or 
what's the role of a coach in giving or taking confidence or bringing it out? Uh, you know, on our list today is is when you a coach or player looks over to the bench. Is that a is that a player problem or a coach problem or maybe a combination of both? Uh, your your thoughts on on confidence of athletes, uh, where it comes from, and, and what hinders it possibly, and, and and maybe just in this and Rob's situation. I don't think there's anything in sports that's more overplayed than where player confidence comes from and how to generate it. And and I say that from this perspective. Um, some it's it is a it's kind of like trying to extrapolate. Um, you know, what everybody, how everybody will react to a drug or a disease based upon like a small control group, because everybody's different. And, you know, we've seen players that should not be confident because they're not that good, be really confident. And, and that carries over and they look really good in games. We've seen players that we know are skilled because we've seen them make skilled plays who just can't do it in games. And, you know, the thing with fantasy I think is really fascinating because everything Jared said, I agree with in part of my brain. The other part of my brain looks at his statistics and says, this is a guy who's never had an offensive rating for a season above 96 in the three years that he's been at IU. And that was his freshman year. And and last year, you know, with a, with a supportive coach and, and a team that was, you know, built to work well with him, he was under 90 uh, for his offensive rating on the year. I mean, that's, these are hard numbers to overcome when you're trying to evaluate exactly how a player is and, and what exactly goes into that. And so I, I I firmly believe, and I think this is one of the things that when you look at the way that certain coaches work, it's why coaches are so particular about the types of players psychologically that they have playing for them. Because, you know, the there's players that play well in, in the NFL for play for coaches other than Bill Belichick. And there's certain players that Belichick will not have play for him. And it's not that they're not good players. It's that they're not good for that environment. And, and so I am really fascinated. I think as supportive as Finnessy felt like the situation was in general with Archie Miller, it might not have been a good environment for him to be in for other reasons. And so uh, I think this is this coaching change and, just the overall shift in the way that IU basketball is approaching things at this point might actually be the best thing for Rob, even if he doesn't realize it and, and won't elucidate that. But we won't know until the season actually plays along. Um, and we, we've seen players make big leaps in situations where like not a whole lot seemed to change. Sometimes it's internal. Like my favorite story on this front, it's like Tom Coverdale, his first two years at IU, was not very good. You know, couldn't have, couldn't get off the bench, couldn't play, got redshirted, thought about transferring. And I remember reading this article uh, before his sophomore year, which was, I guess, technically his third year because he had redshirted. And he's like, I had to basically tell myself, look, you're not playing well. You're not doing the things you need to do. You're not taking advantage of this op- opportunity. You have to rededicate yourself to things. And then he did. And guess what? He came out and we were all shocked. That, that first year, that first Davis year, it's like Tom Coverdale, really? That's what this is. Where was this last year? Where was this two years ago? Um, so sometimes it's stuff like that. Sometimes it's Dane Fife, like admitting that he had to get on some kind of like, you know, anti anxiety medication to allow him to be able to play effectively. There's so many variables. And so um, all I can do is hope that Rob Finnessy has found the inner peace that he needs to play his best because we know he's a talented basketball player and we know he. He seems to, at least from what he said, he seems to have liked Archie Miller. 
he seems to have wanted to play for him. It just didn't work out. So I'm hoping that this change has allowed him to find whatever he needs to find within him to unlock his true self. You you mentioned a, a really big thing that I believe in coaching that coach you need one you need a psychology degree as much as you need X's and O's in basketball because every player is different and and then that unlocking the potential that's within is what you have to do and for one one player it's something different and the other it's totally opposite and good coaches have a, the ability to really master that uh, and it's not easy uh, and the other thing is when you talked about uh, players have confidence that shouldn't have confidence have you been in a high school open gym lately because you just described sometimes what happens in high school in the high school gym the, the guys who can't shoot always shoot and the guys who can shoot uh, don't and you, and, and you got to try to fix that we we got have to hope that rob um finds uh, that that missing piece that that first semester that uh, that first half of his freshman year where he came in and just played because I, players play better when they're freed up. Uh, that, that's uh, no doubt. And, and yet they need to be coached and they need to be able to be criticized and yet still go and, and play freely. And we hope that, that Rob um, finds that. So the question to both of you. It really is. Well, Coach, I just want to pick up on something you said. I mean, his career really is one of the most bizarre. It's like, the, it's like a Benjamin Button career where like he was at his best, his first stretch of his freshman year. He yeah. was terrific. All of his efficiency numbers were the best. His assist numbers were the best. You go look at those box scores. You know, and Indiana was playing really well, and he was making big shots. When I mean, he hit big shots against Arkansas, Louisville, and Butler, you know, in his first, like, nine or ten games. And we were legitimately excited about, we've got our point guard of the future, here he is. And then he had the concussion, and it's never been the same. You know, now I don't think you draw everything to the concussion because he got over that. And it was interesting when we were talking – he was pretty adamant that he was back to normal by the end of the season, you know, because I kind of said, you know, the concussion kind of affected you. He's like, by the end of the year, I was I was good. I was back to myself. And he had that great game against Illinois. And I think, you know, he had offseason injuries. I think it was the next year that kind of slowed him down. You know, so that's certainly been part of it. But you go back and watch, you know, when I was going back and finding the clips and you watch how he played when he first arrived, it's a different guy than we saw last year. You know, and that's the thing to your point, Galen, like, you know, he's supportive of his coach, his previous coach, and I appreciate that. And he wasn't going to say anything negative. And it did seem like they had a good relationship. And that's all great. But that doesn't mean that it was the best coach and the best system for him, nonetheless. You know, and so that's the hope is that even with that, now, you know, this environment that he'll be in, you know, is going to be better and more conducive and get us back to seeing that guy that we saw at the beginning. Because that's what everybody holds on to. You know, all the numbers, Galen. You look at those Ken Palm numbers, not ever having a season over 100 offensive rating. I mean, for three years, that's that's a heavy weight of evidence. But those of us who have watched him play for three years go back and those first eight, nine games happened, you know? And it's like, that guy is better than the numbers I'm seeing. Where is that guy? And maybe we'll never find him again, but at least we've got one more go around. At least so to, so to both of you, what's this, uh, a successful year for Rob Fennessy look like? uh in general and, and what impact does he have on this team galen we'll start with you i don't think he's gonna play that much i i mean i'll just yeah i mean i, I hope i'm wrong blasphemy i hope i'm wrong <laughs> i think i think that um i think he'll be important in spots but i think that there are players that are going to come in without all of that baggage who are going to be able to take those minutes. And, and I think it's actually a good thing to some degree from a team perspective because 
they're going to have options and they're going to have a lot of guys who are going to be really competing hard to get on the floor. And I, 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 I go back to what we talked about during one of the breaks with IU football in that, you know, I need to see certain things before I believe that they're going to happen. And in this case with Rob, I feel like Rob's gotten the playing time that he's gotten some to some degree because he's kind of been the only one there that you could really play in that role. And that's just not the case anymore. And maybe that spurs him on through this off season and into the beginning of the start of the next of, of the actual um, campaign where he is getting the playing time. I just don't see it right now. And I would love to be wrong about that, but that's where I'm at right now, Jared. I mean, look, that's, that's a possibility because it's a, it's a much more talented roster, you know, and especially if Christian Lander develops at all, that's going to put pressure on Rob. I think his experience and his ability and willingness to defend and be kind of a consistent, solid defender is going to help him early on, but he's going to have to make shots. Because now there are other guys on the roster who can make shots. So, you know, but to your question, Coach, what is a successful season for Rob? He's a senior now, and he hasn't played in an NCAA tournament. So to me, a successful season is not really about the individual stuff for him. It's about what the team does, you know. And the team is going to need leadership from him, whether he's playing 25 minutes a game or 10 minutes a game. Because, you know, there's going to be a lot of new guys playing in new environments for the first time. Xavier Johnson has played in the ACC, but he's going to be going into some Big Ten environments for the first time. Tamar Bates is doing this for the first time. You know, and so I think, you know, where I think the depth is really going to help is, I think we all know there there are just games with Rob where you know in the first three minutes what kind of game you're going to get from him a lot of times. Not always, but sometimes, you know, against certain opponents. And it's like he misses his first couple shots. You know, and it just doesn't feel like it's happening tonight. And now maybe it doesn't have to. And Parker Stewart can take those minutes. And other guys can take those minutes. And those nights can be more of a write-off, but it doesn't kill the team. But the other nights, like against the Iowas and the Nebraskas and the Penn States that we've seen, where he's really locked in and playing really well, then maybe he can get more of those minutes. And so I think that's where the depth can can help and kind of help smooth out some of those rough edges. But, you know, I think for him as a senior does this team make the tournament? Does this team compete in the upper half of the Big Ten? Two things they haven't really done in his tenure. Um, and I feel pretty confident with his attitude and his mentality that whatever his role is, he'll do it well. Um, I am obviously hopeful and bullish on the personal side for him, you know, that he plays a lot of minutes and, and comes around. But, you know, Galen, the numbers are the numbers and the history is the history. And the weight of the evidence is on those struggles continuing to a certain degree. You know, but hopefully with a new roster and the new system, he can break out of that. And I, I take no pleasure in saying any of that. I really do. I would love, again, as a typical new kind of guy, I would love Rob Finnessy to start. I'd love him to play really well. I just, I feel like Woodson's teams are going to have to be offensively efficient. They're going to have to be able to score. I think you're going to have to have multiple scorers on the floor. I, I mean, defense is certainly going to be important, but it's a different era of basketball. Like, you can't have someone who's a net negative offensively on the floor at that position and be successful. And I think if you want evidence of that, you could look at the last three years of Indiana basketball and, and see what what's where that's gotten you in terms of conference play. And so, um, look, maybe everything's changed this offseason. It's entirely possible. I don't know what to expect. I'm just going off of what I've seen up to this point. And 
that's where it's landed. He's me not. Just, he's not going to get his me, starter minutes. Uh, based on what I saw in watching the game film from Bahamas, he's going to. I think he's going to come off the bench, and that's a valuable role because there, there's a starter that's played three years with a defensive presence, and if he can just bring something offensively in those substitution minutes, that's going to help Indiana win. If Xavier gets in foul trouble, you now have a, a, a Rob Finnessy that you can go to. Indiana hasn't had that level of point guard play they've had some people who have had to play point that really you know Al Durham wasn't a point guard and he had to bring the ball up at times and and Armand Franklin had to handle the ball sometimes in in the last few years so that is going to be what what I expect from Rob is not being that starter that leader uh, getting 34 30 minutes a game 28 minutes a game and scoring it is coming in off the bench and doing what he can do. And I, so I think he's going to have a valuable role. It's just going to be uh, a, a little bit less, uh, and it's going to be important, just as important. But the time is, is going to be a little bit less. Jared? Yes, I would say the, the ceiling for him on the role that he can play is you think about what Rob Johnson did on the 2016 team. And I don't think Rob can be that good because he's never been that level of a shooter that Rob was. Because I think Rob shot like 43, 44% that year. But, you know, he was a fourth or fifth option offensively when he was out there. But he would hit open shots. He was the defensive bulldog that would take the toughest assignments. And he could provide some secondary playmaking. And, you know, even handle the ball a little bit, you know, when Yogi was out. And so, again, I think, you know, Rob is probably a notch below. Rob Finnessy is probably a notch below what Rob Johnson was in all those things. But I remember... You know, talking to Max Bielfeld, and he talked about how big of a loss that was when Rob got hurt late in the season because he did a lot of these kind of little things that got lost in, in the shuffle with how much talent was on that team, but he was really important. And so I think if, to me, the ideal version of Rob Finnessy this year is like 80% of what Rob Johnson was that year on a team where there's a lot more talent around him, but he can kind of fill in and do the things he does really well. I, I actually think the best comp for Rob this year, if we can get it, is uh, senior year Jamal Meeks, who, if you'll recall, yep. like played a lot of games his first cup, like first three years, uh, but essentially had been eclipsed in the starting lineup by by Damon Bailey and by Chris Reynolds. Uh, Meeks only started four games his senior year, uh, didn't one. shoot very well, and and hadn't really shot well his whole career. But, you know, was able to come in and, and give a lot of valuable minutes and, uh, you know, racked up, I think, the the third most assists on the team. Uh, and, and that made that second unit for that 92 team so good because they had a player of that caliber coming off the bench. If Rob can accept that role, I think that makes this team significantly more dangerous because, honestly, you look back at the last 10 to 12 years of IU basketball, very few people have been willing either, well, have either been willing to accept the role or have been good enough because the rosters have been so thin uh, to, yeah. to actually be in a position where they could take advantage of those minutes. And so I am quite interested to see how all of that plays out. Well, and, and, and that would be a really important role for him to fill because, you know, there is a lot more talent in the backcourt. But, you know, look, Christian Lander is a second-year guy who should be a freshman who, at best, is going to be up and down. You know, Tamar Bates is a freshman. A lot is expected of him, but freshman or freshman. Xavier Johnson's been around for a while, but he's a guy who's known as a little hot and cold, a little streaky. You know, so I think if Rob can be a guy who is a bit, you know, a bit more consistent than he's been, that you can really rely on him when he's out there to not make a lot of mistakes, knock down an open shot, and play good defense – there's going to be some ups and downs with those other guards. You know, same with Parker Stewart. He's playing basketball for the first time in a few years. 
So we're all excited about those guys, but there's question marks about all of them, you know, and same thing with Rob. But I think if he can be that senior that you just, you kind of know what you're going to get from him. He hasn't been that guy. So you're asking him to, to be something he hasn't been. But if you know a little bit more what you're going to get from him, that'll be so valuable for Mike Woodson. And he can be a guy who could play 10 minutes or 25 minutes, depending on how the other guys are doing. Well, let's hope that uh, Rob finds his role and, and, and improves offensively and can really help this team uh, get back to that tournament in the upper half of the, the Big Ten. Jared, just congratulations on uh, uh, being the president of his fan club, wearing his shirt tonight, uh, and uh, just a really well-done uh, interview. Uh, we thank you for that. So coming up next in our third segment, um, we'll uh, answer some of your questions uh, that were uh, sent to us in the community. So uh, stick around here with us on the assembly call. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Unlike other automakers... We at Ford don't think you should need a 20-minute tutorial to open your glove box. So we made our technology easy to use by making our vehicles available with Blue Cruise hands-free driving, Sync 4, and the Ford Pass app. And the best part? They just work. Built for America. Built Ford proud. Optional features listed. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Okay, it's segment three, and that can uh, only mean actually several things. One, uh, we do want to thank uh, everyone for uh, coming to the tailgates. Uh, Galen had a really nice tailgate. I got to stop by his tailgate Saturday, and a lot of you guys uh, stopped by and say hello. We really appreciate that. Uh, Galen, you also have uh, something coming up Saturday for the IU football game. Would you like to share with everyone? Oh, do we ever. Thank you, Coach. Yes, we'll be hosting a live watch party at Switchyard Brewing Company. Uh, starting about 7 o'clock, I think we're going to get there. We'll do a live podcast at 7.30, leaving, leading into the game starting at 8. We've got the guys from the Hoosier Network joining us. Uh, Griffin Gonzalez and that crew are going to be there. I think the IUS TV guys are going to be there as well. We might add some more folks. Um, let's, you know, let's, let's get a party together. It was, it's a lot of fun to watch games at Switchyard. We had a great time with our live podcast preview for the Cincinnati game last week and so we're looking forward to doing again this week so yeah show up uh it's free admission uh we'll be doing some you know some giveaways i've got some great bison apparel that i think people might be interested in so if you're in the bloomington area you're not going down to western kentucky please stop by switchyard we'd love to see you and make your plans for hoosier hysteria again we mentioned that earlier uh, october 2nd i will be down uh, in bloomington uh, and, and we'll uh, make sure we're loud and proud, Galen, because you're doing a, a really good thing uh, in, in memory of uh, Jason. Uh, thank you for doing that. I had the pleasure of meeting them only one time. 
um, and what a great, great person um, he was. So, uh, but if you see me in town, you know, buy me a drink. I guess that's that's what I say. Uh, shameless plug, <laughs> shameless plug there. But I'll be I'll be there Saturday night, uh, all night Saturday night. So okay, now it's time for the rest of our mailbag. Questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, uh, which is a great place just to interact with other IU fans, and you can learn more about that uh, if you go to uh, assemblycall.com backslash community uh, and really consider joining us there. A a lot of good conversations uh, going there. So Ari asked this, what's up with the golden era of IU sports? Uh, with men's golf maybe being the only uh, bright spot right now, some of the other programs struggling. Uh, but are they are they really struggling? You know, again, a couple losses here or there doesn't mean that the programs are in jeopardy. Galen, uh, what's up uh, right now at uh, Indiana across the board? Uh, you're down there. Uh, you, you should know. See, that's what I get for trying to be polite. I, uh, you know, I, I end up muting myself and that I'm not, then not unmuting myself. Yeah, no, look, I'm, uh, we got Jared back on his internet connection. This is great. Everything's coming together. Um, look, Let's see. yes. Uh, look, there's been some disappointments at the start of the seasons, uh, for a couple of these teams. Certainly. I mean, I look across the board, like, I'll say this. I think we've talked about football quite a bit on, on my podcast and, it is certainly not what people hoped, but I also don't think that what's happened in football is entirely out of line with where the team was at coming into the year. I think everybody was taking best case scenarios and those haven't worked out so far, but we'll see. It's a long season left to play and they don't have that many more top 10 teams left on the schedule. Like they have two, uh, but you know, that's less than less proportionally than the two they've already played in the three games that they've had men's soccer's had their ups and downs i'm not over i'm not look there there are certainly problems uh with with the way that men's soccer is playing right now but you know look i'd like to remind everybody that there have been other men's soccer teams that have stumbled coming out of the gate or have started a bit slow and have been fine i thought the bounce back in the northwestern game was really nice this past week and this is a team that you know they won at Notre dame uh they they got a draw on the road at akron who's a ranked team I'm not as concerned there. Volleyball's still relatively young. That's been a tough two years. And I, I think the big thing for a lot of these teams that I would remind everybody is that we are coming out of a pandemic. We're coming out of a, of a scenario where there hasn't been a lot of regular practice. You've got, you know, I talk about this a lot with our sports media program where we basically have two freshman classes right now. We have the freshman class from this year and we have last year's Fresh or like saw like the freshman class last year who are now sophomores who basically didn't have a freshman year. They weren't on campus or they were not getting the whole experience. And that's happening in athletics as well. And that is a real problematic. And you also lost two experienced classes of people who, because of the pandemic, didn't get a chance to have full seasons. And so um, I'm not overly concerned about it yet. There was always a possibility coming into the year that you were going to have some issues in terms of getting teams' feet under them, so to speak. And I am excited about the rest of the fall seasons and then rolling into winter. I think that there's still a lot of chances for teams to do some pretty good stuff. So we'll just have to see. But, you know, to some degree, I think everybody gets a little bit of a mulligan uh, coming out of a pandemic. And and if we're going to judge people harshly, then I think we should probably maybe think about what we're judging them harshly on at this stage. 
Jared, this one comes to you. It's from Terrence. Uh, after a great interview you did with Rob, do you have uh, any more interviews planned and with uh, which players? We do. Okay, so we haven't announced this uh, yet, but we might as well announce it publicly now because I'm doing the first interview with him tomorrow. Uh, but we are going to be doing a 20-episode series this season with Tamar Bates. It is going to be called The Inside Scoop. Uh, and we're going to have some fun with it. We'll have some different, uh, some different formats. Um, most of those episodes should be available in the podcast feed, but we will probably uh, save some of those and make them subscriber only um, for our private community. I'm still working out some of the details, but we do have an awesome sponsor for it. Uh, the sponsor for the Inside Scoop is Speakeasy Sales Copy. Uh, it's a guy named Clay who's a huge Indiana fan, um, and you know, reached out, said he wanted to. You know, to sponsor the show, and so so Speakeasy Sales Copy is going to be uh, the the title sponsor. So you'll learn much more about that. We'll probably get Clay on the show. Um, he just had a kid, so he's uh, he got busy real fast. <laughs> so <laughs> glad I worked out the deal with him before the kid came. <laughs> he's probably going to be he's probably going to be hard to reach. Um, but no, he's great. He's really excited. You know, I've gotten a chance to talk with Tamar a couple of times, and he's excited. Um, so, you know, we've talked about a lot of fun stuff that we want to do with the show. You know, I think we want to get some of his family members on, um, to kind of talk to them and get to know him, but get to know them. But really, you know, the main goal is, you know, for a highly touted freshman coming into Indiana, what's it like to be a basketball player at IU, you know, from that perspective? Um, you know, I think anybody who has, anybody who's heard interviews with Tamar, I think you can see how that'll go well over an extended series. You know, there are certainly some players that I think it would be a little bit harder to draw interesting content out, um, especially freshmen. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, a lot of that, you know, maybe up to, you know, to the host to ask good questions and, you know, provide a good context for conversation. So we'll have to see if we can get somebody competent to uh, to do that. Um, but, you know, I think we want to do some fun That's stuff. Like, I mean, if you're looking. So <laughs> who? Scott, Scott, <laughs> <laughs> you know, te teach tomorrow a few new curse words um, in the process. No, but we, uh, you know, we may do some fun stuff like do some film breakdowns. You know, he's uh, he's obviously a big fan of Kobe Bryant. So we were talking about maybe doing like a details type thing, you know, kind of breaking down some of the players he likes, that kind of stuff. We're going to have fun with it, um, you know, and probably figure out a way to do some Q&A so fans can ask questions, um, you know. But it'll be interesting. Again, you know, it's one of those opportunities that, you know, before this season wasn't even available. And, you know, I just reached out to the family to, to gauge their interests and they were interested. And so we were able to make it work. And so I'm looking forward to it. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But we're doing the first interview. I'm, I'll be talking with them tomorrow and then we'll probably get that out the following week. Kind of like a pre Hoosier hysteria, you know, preview type thing. Um, so, yeah, so to answer your question. Yeah, we will definitely be doing those interviews with Tamar Bates, and then we'll just see. Um, you know, I think it's probably going to be a little bit harder once the season starts to organize this stuff with players, and I think that's good, um, you know, because they're going to be a little bit more focused and probably not checking open doors as much and and all that stuff, you know. So I, I'm certainly not going to promise anything uh, beyond that. But if other opportunities come up, we'd love to do it um, as much as we can – try to be a conduit for connecting players to fans, you know, we'd love to, to play that role. Um, you know, and I, to me, you know, to a certain extent, coach, I, I like doing it um, because I think there's a certain level of, of accountability for us, you know, doing a, a show like this, or we don't really have to face the people that we talk about, you know, we're not in the locker room. 
I like having the opportunities to interview the guys and talk with them and, and get to know them a little bit. Um, I just, I think it grounds our analysis, um, in an important way. So, so here's a, here's a great anyway. question. Valerie asked, um, who would have thought the golf team was nationally ranked and did this ever happen in the past? Uh, anyone uh, know the, the golf history? I do not. <laughs> well, congratulations no. to the golf team then. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> they keep up the good work. I mean, they got the, the new, new golf course, course right? right? So, so it's got to be the new golf course. Um, yeah. Moving on to um, to basketball, Jeff asked, do you find it interesting that Gabe Cups uh, was on campus this week? Gabe is a, a, a player that Indiana is interested in and recruiting. Uh, where would we have him ranked in terms of the 2023 class? Are there others you would want more? Or is he a high-priority target? You know, I, I will say this over and over again. I'm not a great recruiting guy to ask. I, I don't follow it closely. I will read articles about who's in there and who's not. Um, I know the kid from Lalamere is probably um, uh, a higher-ranked player, and he was down Saturday for the Cincinnati game. Was it Fears? Um, Fears. I just – when they commit, that's when I start reading uh, uh, about players. Um, that's just me personally. I, I will probably try to need to do a better job to inform all of our listeners. But um, when they commit, then, I, then I'm serious about it because there's just a lot of uh, offers and a lot of people coming in for visits. Um, but um, so – you know, if they and I thought Hurdy might have been back in this week too, uh, this week, and he's made a couple, so uh, that that could be an interest uh, for IU, Galen. It's interesting because you know I I saw this and I was like, I'm not sure, but I've read like a couple of articles where it's like Indiana's going after this guy the hardest, and I mean he's Ohio State's interested, but they don't think they have room. Michigan's interested. You've got some teams that are kind of on a tier below. Ohio State and Michigan and Indiana that are interested in him as well. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I think he's an intriguing prospect. I really would struggle to rank him compared to other people, but I, I think he's an interesting player. And, and I think that, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, when you look at the way that IU is trying to recruit right now, I, what I find fascinating is they don't really have a type per se so far from what I've seen, like I, when I see cups and I see some of the other players that they've either already got commits from, or that they're looking for, they're really casting a, a wider net than I feel like some previous IU coaches have cast in terms of what they're trying to get. So I'm intrigued by this. I think it's interesting. And I, to some degree, I'm like you, I don't totally know how he would fit into the bigger scheme of things with all of this. But I think at this point, you got to give those, the cat, the coaching staff, the benefit of the doubt in terms of who they're targeting and what they think. And the fact that he's on campus is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Jared, any thoughts on uh, the young man coming to campus, uh, the 2023 class in general? I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged that we've got some good ball handlers coming on because that's what you need in college basketball. So It is a guards game. As, as yeah, much as I mean, it pains me to say that, being a bigger guy, it is a guards game. I mean, he's tough, has a high basketball IQ, can shoot it. You know, what's not to like? Build a roster with guys like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he certainly seems like a guy that you would want to take. And Jeremy Fear seems like a guy that you would want to take. So, you know, I, I would say the only thing I would say, Galen, about the type is it does seem like they have a little bit more of a type in terms of, you know, once you get past kind of the, the guard position to like wings and bigs, like they want guys who are athletic and can face the basket, it seems, you know, and then they'll kind of try to fit them in from there. Um, 
but you know, you got to have the ball handlers and the guys who can shoot to make it all work. So got to land at least one of these guys. So that, that leads to John's question. Uh, what are your thoughts in regard to the Woodson regime moving back to a full 13 man roster or using a, th- a full 13 man roster? Uh, John thinks it's a positive development. It shows the urgency to win. If IU can stockpile 13 top 150 level players every year, then chances improve that six or seven will be highly productive. Uh, if the program does not reach for guys, I don't see the downside of having more options on the roster. Um, Jared, your thoughts on 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 the thirteen uh, man roster given the the scope of college basketball these days? So I actually think that the optimal amount may be eleven or twelve because I think in a lot of seasons it may be helpful to have an open scholarship so that you can pounce on opportunities. Now I see, you know, this year, you know, they took Michael Durr, and I think that's you know that's going to be helpful because you get some. Uh, some depth behind Trace, and so you don't have to, you know, count on Logan Duncan to to kind of be that guy, um, you know. And and yeah, you know, you're kind of going through the the Big Ten season, and you want to have some depth, all that stuff. Um, but I don't know that we know yet what Mike Woodson's going to do. You know, this is his first season, and he's inheriting some players that we don't really know in his heart of hearts if those are guys that he wants. Now, he's going to take them and embrace them and all of that stuff, but we don't know if he would have recruited them to the team in the first place. So he's trying to use as many spots as he can to get guys that he sees as fits to fit around all the different guys on the roster. When we get out one, two, three years, when he's got his full complement of recruits, we may see him only take 11 or 12 guys um, so that that way you do have a spot open for a transfer here and just because trying to keep that many good players happy in an era when everyone can transfer, I mean, that might be a bigger problem than a lack of depth. So you got to kind of, you know, pick your pick your headache, right, if you're a coach. So personally, I think a lot of programs are probably going to end up going 11 or 12 because it's one less person to try to keep happy and you keep your options open in a transfer-happy world. But we'll see what, what this staff ends up doing. I just – I wouldn't – put too much stock into what they're doing this offseason because it's always weird. The first offseason for a coach is always weird because you don't really know what he would do with the available players or with the remaining players. You know, he kind of has to take those guys. Galen, your thoughts on uh, the full 13-man roster versus maybe some other other options? I think if there's a game-changing transfer or a team-changing transfer, you're going to find a way to get him in, whether you've got 11 players or 13 players on the roster. Uh, we've seen that time and time again here and elsewhere. So I think fill them up. Uh, you know, get, get as many good players as you can, knowing that there's probably going to be three or four in any roster that aren't going to pan out or are going to transfer because they want to be somewhere else, and that's fine. Um, I am... You know, we've seen a few instances where transfers have made a huge difference, and then we've seen a bunch of instances where transfers haven't, uh, even though they were supposed to. And so, in you know, in this case, look, grow your own, I guess would be my my mantra on all of this. And then if you've got opportunities, they're they're probably going to still be there, regardless of whether, you know, what what number of people you got on the roster in the first place. I'm going to go a mix. Uh, I think you you do use 13 (laughs) – 
But your your twelve and thirteenth might be guys you reach on. They might not be those top one fifty guys. If you identify mm-hmm. guys that might be one fifty to two fifty that might love being Indiana Hoosiers and stay there for two or three years, and in that year three or four, they could be an eighth or ninth man, and they're happy with that. Um, that would be an interesting way to maybe uh, fill a roster. And uh, I don't I don't know. I always thought Duke had ten nine ten guys uh, because. And the rest of the guys weren't really very talented on their roster. Um, so I always would lean towards 11 or 12 too, Jared. But I also think you need to fill them for depth purposes. But, um, you know, there's there's some guys that are outside the top 100, whatever, that could potentially want to want to stay. I, I just um, – I, I don't care as this long as Indiana a, wins I, I if there's 13 a- or more. I hear Max Montana's music playing uh, as you say all of this, Coach. <laughs> Max Montana. Not, no, not not. Sorry, Tim, but not you either. Not, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not. I don't mean that. I mean the guy's got to have some some, some ability wow. to play Galen. But anyway, all right. Uh, Joel asks, and we just got a couple more. Uh, what advice uh, uh, would we give to younger IU fans on, or any IU fans actually, on how to handle the disappointment and devastating outcomes? Uh, of your favorite team, and especially if uh, the, the devastating outcomes of follows I, IU sports. Uh, Galen, we'll come to you first. How, how, how do you handle it, or how should people handle um, when, when their teams are have been a little down and disappointing? Well, I mean, I don't. I think we've had some disappointing uh, seasons. I don't know if we've had devastating outcomes necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I guess the Syracuse loss in thirteen was it's a devastating end, but that was a fun season. Um, you know, IU football is different. Like IU football is a, uh, it's a constant, like never ending kick in the testicles or, or whatever your anatomical equivalent might be. And look, I, I, all I would say is you don't have to become a fan, but you know, if you do, it's an interesting fandom to say the least. And it's actually, this has been the most rewarding it's been in quite a while. Um, I would say the following you like, the whole reason we follow sports in the first place is because there's 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 highs and there's lows. And I think for IU basketball, we actually haven't had much of either in, in the past. We've had a lot of middles. We've had a lot of, you know, kind of, well, that stunk. But it wasn't necessarily a, a devastating loss or anything along those lines. It was more of a, well, gosh, that ended in a way that I wasn't excited about. So I think in terms of trying to cope with stuff that's devastating, you have to think about it from the standpoint of if it's devastating, it probably was because you got to a particular height and you know you were able to achieve something along the way. You have to be able to enjoy that if you're going to be a sports fan in this day and age, because if you're just in it for the glory, frankly, you're going to be disappointed most of the time. I, I mean, there just, there aren't, unless you want to be a front runner you're not yeah, going... go cheer for alabama football right and, and what i mean what's the fun in that like seriously and then when they're bad suddenly when saban leaves it's like well that's the, the, now this sucks and now you got to go find somebody else to root for on a regular basis and then everybody just thinks you're a fool and, and so i look at it from the standpoint of there's going to be highs there's going to be lows and the best way to do it especially for children is let them experience the highs and lows let them cry let them feel emotionally invested and then have the rug wreck, you know, yanked out from under them. That is an important part of being a human. And, and if you can't experience that, 
you're going to be disappointed in a lot of other things in the rest of your life. Yeah, the sports walk of uh, shame on the road. I've took, I've taken my young boys at nine, ten, eleven to places where we got beaten football and had to walk and be heckled, and it, they've learned a lesson. But Joel, I think, I think immediately you go out and buy a cup uh, to prevent uh, any da- damage from the, the, those kick in the, in the testicles. That that's one thing to handle handle the disappointment, uh, and the other is just, uh, hey, just come back to another tailgate and and. Um, you know, um, being a fan is great. And, 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 and Galen, I really like the, the way you pointed out. You're going to have some, you know, the Cubs won in 2016. They haven't done much the rest of my life, but I'll always have that to go back to. Uh, I, I was in Bloomington in 1987. I've been in the fountain. I, I've kissed multiple women in a championship night. Uh, these moments I can go back to. Uh, and, yeah, they're disappointing times, but there was a really, really heavenly time um, that 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 year, and so I, I think that's really good advice uh, for people. And then, uh, like the 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 worst thing I think, like I've noticed this with Boston fans, and I have a lot of friends who are Boston fans. Like when you get entitled to success, it actually ruins you to a large degree. Yes. I think as a sports fan, and. Um, you know that you have to go through kind of a walk in the wilderness after that to get yourself back to where where things are at. Like a lot of titles all the time isn't really a natural thing. So don't don't yeah. let it like infest you because if that's what you expect out of sports, sports is the wrong spot for you. And 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 that's I guess my biggest message is like don't don't let yourself get seduced by that. The the whole joy of this is that there's ups and there's downs. If you want just all ups, like just go follow pop music. Like, you know, go go become an area on a grande fan or something, you know, and there's like, hey, top top five all the time. That's really not how it should be in sports, though. Jared, the thing I would add to that, too, is. You know, it's not as much about the wins and losses as it is about who you experience them with and having a shared history with a group of people. You know, that's what college sports is. And a lot of people you know, especially, you know, who aren't Americans and look at how we experience college sports, think that it's like one of the most absurd things possible. And when you really do kind of step back and analyze and try to explain it, it does sound kind of ridiculous. But what isn't ridiculous about it, and I think what is actually rewarding about it is, you know, a lot of us obviously who cheer for Indiana went to Indiana and it is a way that ties generations together. And it, you know, sports are a social lubricant that joins generations together because it gives you something in common with people that you might not otherwise have in common, gives you something to talk about, gives you this shared experience. And, you know, this is a society that is dealing with more loneliness and disconnect than ever, even though we're more connected. And sports can be a thing that brings us together. And that to me is what's important. I mean, if we didn't have the community and you know, the people who show up and if we hadn't all become, you know, such good friends, you know, doing this podcast surely would have ceased a long time ago because, you know, getting on here and talking about the team, it's so ephemeral, you know, and we talk on a postgame show and it doesn't matter 48 hours later, just doesn't. But what does matter is the relationships that we build and the experiences that we have and the fact that we can reflect on, you know, the joy that we felt when Yogi made that three against Iowa to win the Big Ten title. And, you know, we all understand the context of that. Like that to me is what matters. You know, seeing Galen go nuts after the Penn State game and understanding the full context of why that mattered. 
Like that was a shared experience. And like I was I was at, you know, I'd been out, we were moving and I'd been like packing up our storage unit that whole day, you know, and so I got home and I just, you know, I watched like the last 10 minutes of the Penn State game and I was by myself. But, you know, I'm on Twitter and, you know, you're watching the videos and you're seeing the outpouring. And there was a connection there, like a feeling of sharing that with people, even though I wasn't in the same room with people. That would have been better. That's why tailgating is so much fun. But that to me is what makes all of this worth it, you know, and so just kind of sitting there watching a game and judging the whole experience on whether the team wins or loses, that doesn't do anything for me anymore. But sharing the experience, good or bad, with people I care about, that matters. So Galen, do you still you know, have get that involved, door? Join a community, tailgate, all that, that stuff. That door is still in my garage and it'll be coming to the home coming tailgate against Michigan state where I hope everybody stops by and signs it. That's been the nice. plan beginning. So yes. Nice. And to just I, round up, go ahead. No, I was going to say that. Yeah. The, the door thing, I, you know, the, it's a great example like that. There were a lot of demons that came out with that because there have been so many times <laughs> that things didn't work out. And look, did that game matter in the big scheme? Will we talk about that game 10 years from now? A little bit, but it, it's not, it, it, it was important in the moment and it was important based upon the context. And I think that those things matter more than the championships. Like there's, there's a, there's an ebb and flow to all of these things. If you, and if there's not, if all you're invested in is the end product, that's where I think you're, you're missing out on being a sports fan. That, that, yeah. that was a great, yeah. great question. Great responses. And and then I'm just going to end this. Valerie says, what about that five seed from Andy Katz? That's got to be an upward uh, trajectory to end the podcast. Uh, I think it's a little too high uh, from from Delphi Bracketology. We're not going to have Indiana five seed here in a couple of weeks. But would uh, you take it? Just sight unseen. If you could book that right now for this season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, yeah, I would too. <laughs> five seed. That's <laughs> that's top twenty. Jared, Jared, when were we in the tournament last? I no, I agree. I I would take it too. No, I would. Definitely you saw take that it. they Just would match up the with Virginia, Jared. They Virginia was a four seed in in that side of the oh bracket boy. with cats. So it'd be Virginia, Indiana. You'd do two post game shows. Uh, right I would. After that I one. would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. We're done. No more questions. <laughs> it's time to it's time to call it an call it an evening. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week, and uh, it's time for basketball next week as practice starts. So until then, take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. Dudes, I'm out. <laughs> we forgot to congratulate Ryan. No, uh, that's that a banner moment. We, we spent oh, the whole okay, first good. part of the segment congratulating oh. Ryan. Yes. So. Oh, so okay. So we so we said too much. Okay, I figured like just a <laughs> just a quick you know, just, quick hello. Yeah, thanks. just dropping a note at the very end would have been. Would have no, been we better. gave him. We gave him so the that, whole first segment. Awesome. All right. Good. Well, yes. Congratulations to them. That is awesome. <laughs> that uh, Bob is Thompson awesome. stopped by the tailgate um, on nice. his way into the game, so it's nice to see Bob. Stop by That's mine awesome. too. It was yep. good to see him. 
Yeah. Good dude. That is good. Well, have fun at Switchyard, Galen. I would love to be able to get up there for one of those. You should. Sometime. I mean, it's football uh, or basketball it's, season. It's your Twitter banner, so you got you guys need to like make a return appearance at some point. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, we got to plan it. We got to plan our basketball trip. So, and hopefully, we can set something up when we're up there. Well, let me know what you. Uh, yeah, if you, I mean, we're we're gonna do. I think a few more of these throughout the course of the year, whether it's pregame shows or watch parties or whatever. So uh, we'll uh, we'll try to. No, try to try to see the fields for you. When, I love the you, watch party idea. That's a great idea. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm excited to see what uh what what's kind of turnout we get. Yeah, unless they lose to Western Kentucky, in which case. So that's that's the thing that I we I remember in the early days of Crimson Cast and and the early days of the Kevin Wilson era, we did a watch party at at sports of all places for the Indiana North Texas game. And Indiana lost by, I think coach remembers this game very clearly. They lost by a pretty significant margin. And that was kind of the end of the watch parties for a while. Cause um, that, yeah, just felt like a lot of bad mojo happened. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen here. We need a win. We gotta, we gotta kind of get the momentum going on this stuff. We do. We do. Cool. Well, thanks for holding down the fort guys. No ah, problem. Like you get here. Appreciate Glad your it. internet came back. <laughs> I know. Hallelujah. Go- Governor right. Abbott doesn't uh, have anything to do with internet access, does he? <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't I have brought that. Wow. All right. On that note, <laughs> I'm know. leaving. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Good night. <laughs> we'll see you again. Right, see y'all. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.